All right, Rams fans, welcome back to the Mob Squad Pod presented by Blue Wire Hustle. This is episode 19, and uh, we're going to be talking about the week six game against the 49ers, and we're going to preview the Monday night game against the Bears. Um, uh, I got Manny with me, and I have Aaron with me as well, so full crew today. What's going on, guys? What's up, Nick? That game was ugly, and I've been looking forward to talking about it all week. Um, this, I'm going to try and not keep ranting and raving about this game, the whole podcast and, um, not sit here for three hours, but my God, I was so furious watching that game on Sunday night. It was utterly embarrassing. It was terrible football. It was literally all the things that I said could be an issue in the off season happened in this game and, and reared their ugly head. Um, I had kind of moved on in my stages of grief and like anger. I had kind of gotten over it. And then today, as I was prepping for the show, I got more furious again. So I'm super pissed just like I was Monday morning. So I'm going to be breathing fire into my microphone, probably talking about this game. Um, the Rams were trying to go for their second three game winning streak of the season. Uh, obviously came up short. Uh, we were in Levi stadium. It was a primetime game. Obviously the Niners were coming in, uh, super hurt. They were coming in off a thrashing from the dolphins. The Rams were coming in off some W's and they were looking really good. So all signs were pointing up for the Rams and all signs were pointing down for the 49ers. So on paper, and like we had discussed, this looked like a pretty easy matchup for the Rams. Obviously, you always have that caveat in there, like Manny said, where it's a rivalry game in the same division. You never know what could happen. But on paper, it certainly looked like this was the Rams game to lose. And my God, did they lose it. So they're now 4-2. and two. Uh, They're still going to be uh, in second place in the division. Uh, that's still going to belong to the Seahawks, oddly enough, because uh, certainly from my point of view, I think the Seahawks are, I don't know if overrated is the word, but I certainly don't think they're better than the Rams. Well, Aaron, I'm sure uh, you've got some feelings too that we uh, um, haven't really touched on yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Manny a little bit, but um, I'd say the Rams defense definitely failed them in the first half, allowing the 21 points, but stepped it up in the second half. Rams offense wasn't there the entire game. Um, time of possession. I thought this was big. The Rams had the ball for approximately 22 minutes of the game, whereas the 49ers had it for almost 38 minutes. That's a 15-minute swing. I mean, that means the 49ers had the ball for an entire quarter longer than yeah. the Rams had the ball. Uh, and I mean, yeah, they managed to clock well. They controlled the game by managing the clock. Uh, all those, uh, it was a death by short pass that first half. I swear to God, they would drop the ball off. And then how many yards, uh, after the catch did the 49ers get? It seemed like every single play was, they would drop it like behind the line of scrimmage and almost get a first down. They were controlling the clock, running the ball, still getting like five plus yards. I don't know what the, the average was per carry, but it seemed like it was like five plus yards per carry. Uh, I think, oh, actually, it shows 3.3. So I guess that's not that great, but it seemed like a lot at the time. Um, and then, yeah, the extra point. Uh, I mean, the Samuel Slomans, he's already missed three extra points this game or the season. 
uh, they brought in this uh, Kai Forbeth to hopefully kind of compete with them. Um, every time he, he keeps kicking these low extra points that uh, they're getting blocked. Same with this field goal. So um, that the special teams on the, the extra points and field goals doesn't really excite me too much with the, with the Rams. I felt like the rushing game really wasn't there. They kind of, I mean, Daryl Henderson Jr. still got 88 yards off 14 carries, but other than him, that they only rushed the ball 19 times versus the 49ers who rushed it for 37 times. Um, Aaron Donald was non-effective. They were double teaming him the whole game. Uh, I think he only got one quarterback hit, uh, one solo tackle. So, uh, and then the misconnects with Cup, like we mentioned, the the touchdown drop and uh, the misconnection on the long ball. Uh, just got them turned around. They didn't connect. It it was just an ugly game all around. I I did not enjoy watching it. The defense was frustrating the heck out of me in that first half, um, and then the offense was just they were abysmal. So it wasn't good. Yeah, I spent that entire game yelling at my TV. Literally the entire game. Um, the only takeaway for me that was a positive at the end of this game was the defensive performance in the second half, like you guys had mentioned. Uh, oddly enough, this is already the fifth time this season that the Rams defense has only allowed three points in the second half. That's incredible uh, to do that, to, to just have an entire half where you only let the other team score three points. So I don't know if that means the defense is coming in unfocused or with a bad game plan at the start of the game and then at halftime they're able to adjust that quickly or if that's just like a crazy fluke I don't I don't know what that is so that's encouraging you love to see that at the same time if you allow a team to only score three points in one half of football with this offense especially you should win that game that's kind of ridiculous that you still lost uh as Aaron said the run defense was really nowhere to be found the they gave up over 100 yards on the ground uh cooper cup had a really off night he lost track of a deep ball from jared goff that should have been a touchdown and then he also dropped one in the end zone that should have been a touchdown so not sure what was going on there but clearly not what we're used to you got to think that that was just a, a fluke kind of thing and everything will be fine going forward uh jared goff did <laughs> Looked terrible. Uh, that was some of the worst Jared Goff play that I've seen since he came into the league. Started the game one for seven, missed uh, open receiver after open receiver. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I saw him throw a ball, and it was just either in the dirt or way over the guy's head. Um, it, it, there was even times where he threw balls where there was just white jerseys and 49ers players around and no Rams player in sight. So I don't know... What was going on there? I don't know what the miscommunication was or whatever, but it certainly looked like Jared Goff was a rookie all over again. I mean, it just looked really bad. Um, I, the defense, like Manny had said, uh, <laughs> they allowed way too much to to Kittle. I, I don't know how that happened because you had to think going into this game, he was their number one option. He was the guy that you had to shut down. Shut him down and make everybody else beat you, right? And the Rams apparently either came into the game with that game plan and they just horribly failed to execute it, or they came into the game and said, we don't care, we're going to play like we always play, and that'll be enough. 
I don't I don't know what happened there, but um, Kittle just killed us um, numerous times, whether it was for touchdowns or for first downs. Um, it, it was it was just infuriating to watch. Uh, so I found some interesting things uh, on next gen stats and shockingly, these are all poor. These are all terrible for the Rams. There's one note in here that I found that was a positive for the most part. It's all really bad. So Manny had mentioned that Garoppolo was throwing a lot of short passes. I think Aaron, you had mentioned it too. Some of these, some of these stats are incredible. Uh, <laughs> Garoppolo averaged 2.3 yards uh, time to, th- or 2.38 seconds time to throw, which is incredibly fast. His uh, average air yards per attempt was 4.4, which is nothing. 4.4 air yards is nothing. We could go out in the backyard and do that right now. That doesn't take a whole lot of talent or skill to throw a ball 4.4 yards, okay? Uh, There was 226 yards after catch out of the possible 268 that he threw. So think about that. He threw for 268 yards. So when you see that in the stat sheet, you're like, wow, he actually had a pretty good game throwing the ball. But 226 of those yards came after the catch. It wasn't like he was throwing a bunch of deep bombs and, and, and hitting all these you know huge plays. He was hitting guys that were just either wide open because of poor coverage or they got a shit ton of yard after the catch because we can't tackle. So... I'm not sure what the deal is there, but that's insane to give up 226 yards after catch. That That is just inexcusable. Uh, Kittle gained 73 of his 109 yards after the catch. So, again, like Manny had said, not sure what the defensive strategy there was, but whatever it was, it was bad. Uh, Debo Samuel, obviously Kyle Shanahan was using him a lot in motions and shifts. So the six catches that he had, he was in motion on all of those. And he had 97 yards after the catch, which is a most by a wide receiver this season. And he was targeted behind the line of scrimmage on all six of his catches. And he had negative 32 targeted air yards. Think about that for a second, guys. He had six catches, all six of which behind the line of scrimmage, and they were for negative 32 air yard. I couldn't tell you how many times I saw replays where there would be one white jersey and like four blue jerseys there. And it would just end up with a, a 10 yard gain or a 15 yard gain. And it's like, how? How is that possible? How can you tell me if you were to pause this screen right now, four blue jerseys, one white jersey, and that turns into a 10 or 15 yard gain? That's insane. I just never have seen, especially Debo Samuel's performance, I've never seen a performance like that where you catch six balls, all six of which are behind the line of scrimmage, and you still somehow get, uh, what was it, 97 yards after the catch? That's that's insane. I mean, catching a ball behind the line of scrimmage isn't necessarily a given for the defense, but... If you're starting plays behind the line of scrimmage, you're kind of giving a little bit of an edge to the defense, at least in my opinion, because you're already behind the line of scrimmage. But
Yeah. So it was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting so annoyed. Yeah. It was so infuriating. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to just turn the game off because I was disgusted. Um, so <laughs> to, to Aaron's point, uh, cause he had brought this up about the pass rush, uh, the Rams pass rush pass rush struggled to generate any pressure. Uh, <laughs> They generated pressure on 6.1% of dropbacks. That comes out to two of 33. That was the second lowest rate in a game since 2016. So of those two pressures that the Rams had, Aaron Donald had both of them. The rest of the team had zero. Zero pressures. And I mean, with Jimmy G, Jimmy G getting rid of that ball so damn fast. I mean, they didn't really even have an opportunity. Yeah. Honestly, I felt like the 49ers game plan was perfect because uh, Garoppolo was doing terrible the game before long ball. And uh, whatever they did this with, with the Rams, I mean, the short pass was what he needed to build some of that confidence back because he was terrible the game before. And, uh, and the Rams, like we've mentioned over and over, they just could not tackle. They could not tackle. And all those short passes just continue to work over and over and over. Yeah. I, I just feel like Jimmy G didn't really have to, he didn't really earn the win, but the fact that he was getting rid of that ball so fast that the Rams uh, defensive line really just didn't even have an opportunity to get to him. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan clearly built this. Yeah. It was a perfect game plan uh, because like you said, his, snap to pass was insanely fast uh so they really didn't give the rams much of a chance to do any pressures aaron donald was doubled several times but this is one of the issues i had going into this season was where's our pass rush going to come from obviously aaron donald is the guy i know and and i said that before the season started and nobody thought that it was a big deal. And I was like, you guys don't understand the, he might not be like the greatest pass rusher in the world, but he was good enough to where you had to give him some respect and you couldn't double Aaron Donald all the time. And now that we don't have that second guy, it's really hard who it's. And what's funny is everyone keeps saying, well, the Rams have, I think the number was 20 sacks as a team. And it's like first or top five. And everyone's saying, you know, we don't need it. And it's like, okay, well, also, we've played four games against the NFC East, and all those teams are trash. So you have to understand the teams that we've played aren't good, and we're going to dominate those teams. When we play teams that are in our division and teams that we're going to be seeing in the playoffs, hopefully, we have to have a pass rush that's consistent. And Aaron Donald can't do it all by himself. It's just not going to happen. I mean, it showed during that game he couldn't do it by himself they double teamed him and nobody else could get to the quarterback um there was one positive note i was able to find from next gen stats that was actually in the rams favor uh daryl henderson ran against a stacked box on 42.9 percent of his carries against the 49ers he had 88 yards on 14 carries which comes out to be 6.3 yards per carry and that came out to be 19 yards over expectation it's all analytics and you know all that stuff but that's a very positive note if you're going to gain that kind of yards on those carries against a stacked box Daryl Henderson is having a phenomenal year so there is that there that's also a little bright spot that we can look at 
Um, next thing I want to talk about is again, I don't have a whole lot of positive to say about this performance on Sunday. The next biggest thing that I wanted to talk about, there was a huge issue that I've been harping on since the draft, this whole off season are inside linebacker issues. Uh, Micah Kaiser and Kenny young looked lost out there. They did not look good at all. Uh, this has been a thing pretty much all season. It's kind of been masked a little bit because like I said, we've been playing some pretty bad teams from the NFC East, but this game really showed that our inside linebacker play is not it. It's not good at all. And I don't know what they're going to do to fix it because they haven't addressed it all off season and they haven't done, they haven't done anything since the season started. So I don't know what they're going to do from here, but they haven't addressed the loss of Corey Littleton. They didn't do anything in the draft except for if you count the seventh round pick that they made of Clay Johnston, who, oh, by the way, is not even on the roster anymore. He's with the Carolina Panthers. So that was the Rams' biggest solution to losing one of the best interior linebackers in Corey Littleton. We'll make a seventh round draft pick, and oh, by the way, we'll just cut him when we trim our roster down. So I don't know what the deal is there. I don't know if uh, Sean McVay and the front office have a disconnect on priorities or if they just legitimately were delusional enough to think that Micah Kaiser and Kenny Young were good. I don't, I don't know. But that's seriously an issue that needs to be addressed. Uh, I, I do not think going forward, if we go into the playoffs with this linebacking core, I don't think it's going to be enough to get us deep into the playoffs because I, I think we've seen based on this last game, teams are going to start looking for that as a weakness to attack. And I don't see how we can overcome it. Um, do you guys think that I'm being like, do you think that I'm reading this the wrong way and this was a fluke? Or do you think that, no, there's something here and we need to really address this inside linebacker issue? I, I don't think you're off at all. I think you're spot on. I mean, at the beginning of the season or even during the draft, like you had mentioned, we had already voiced our opinion about them not drafting a linebacker in that interior linebacker uh, position. And it's definitely showing and you've hit on it multiple times. The teams that the Rams have played, they let's face it. They're not good teams at all. And I don't really know anymore what to expect from this Rams team. After watching that 49ers game, uh, I felt like there were so many things that went wrong. Uh, and I don't even think the 49ers are really, that special or an elite team right now and uh and the rams just looked miserable and that linebacker position was definitely a key component so i think you're so one of my biggest issues in the offseason was pass rush where's it going to come from uh the second one was inside linebackers what are we going to do there how are we going to replace Corey littleton uh the third biggest issue i had was our draft as a whole and who we drafted early on and that showed or I guess, depending on how you look at it, didn't show in this game on Sunday. Divisional game, really should be beating this team. For whatever reason, the Rams took Cam Akers in the second round, 52nd overall. Um, and he was on the field for one snap. He was on the field one time. And this was after Sean McVay literally said, this is a quote after the after the previous game, I think it was good to get him going again. You see the athleticism, you see the dynamic run ability, and I thought he created 
on his own a little bit. He had some good, tough runs, and it's a good way to get Cam going. So with that, I think you can expect his workload to increase next week against the 49ers. Uh, again, one snap. <laughs> okay, so we had a little bit of a uh, technical Wi-Fi snafu. So we're going to wrap up our episode with our Bears preview. Uh, Manny, unfortunately, isn't going to be able to join us for this last segment. Uh, so we'll go ahead. We'll finish this up. We'll put a bow on it. We'll talk about the Bears. So the it's going to be a Monday night game. Uh, this is actually the third straight year that the teams have met on a Monday night. Um, Chicago's coming in with a 5-1 and one record. They're in the lead in the NFC North. Obviously, Rams are coming in 4-2, and two, and they're going to need to keep pace because obviously from what we've seen so far this season, the NFC West is the most competitive, in my opinion, division in football. Uh, this isn't going to be easy because – the Bears defense is something you always kind of have to worry about. They have Khalil Mack on the other side. So it's going to be something we have to worry about. The Bears have actually allowed the fewest touchdowns in the NFL too. So kind of going to be interesting there. Uh, As far as your initial thoughts, Aaron, on how this game's going to go, do you think that this is going to be another one of those games kind of like we saw last week where it's going to be really close kind of at the end? Or do you think this is going to be something that, uh, the, you know, some people say the bears haven't really played anybody yet. Um, and they've had kind of a cupcake schedule. So do you think the Rams kind of win this one easily, or do you see this being a little bit closer? After the Rams performance against the 49ers, I could definitely see this game being a lot closer. The bears defense is like you said, pretty stellar, uh, their pass rushing. They got 15 sacks in the season, which ranks them 10th in the NFL. They got to Teddy Bridgewater last week, four times. Their pass defense is elite. Uh, They rank number one in completion percentage allowed. They are ranked number 10th in yards per game at 224. And they hold opposing quarterbacks to a passer rating around 73%. So um, with Goff showing at 72% passer rating last week against the 49ers, who are, I think, a a little bit of a banged up defense, I think you're going to look at this Bears defense and I have a little bit of concern as into how the Rams offense is going to be uh, holding up. I mean, last I'm hoping the 49ers game was kind of a fluke because it seemed like the the Rams offense was just off the mark the entire game. So I'm really hoping that Sean McVay uh, comes up with some sort of game plan to get this offense flowing a little better than this previous game. Uh, the offense of the bears they don't really scare me too much. Um, Nick Foles hasn't really looked that great. Uh, their running game, David Montgomery, I mean, it really hasn't come alive this whole season. And I think really their only big threat on the receiving side is Allen Robinson the second. Um, I mean, as we saw with the 49ers, uh, Kittle caused a lot of trouble there. Um, I don't think we're going to have the same case with Jimmy Graham uh, from the Bears. So I think defensively the Rams have a lot of potential to be successful um offensively against that Bears defense I'm curious to see how they hold up yeah the uh matchup I think that is going to be the most intriguing on Monday is going to be Jalen Ramsey against Allen Robinson yep last year when, when these guys played each other 
Uh, Ramsey was uh, jawing a lot at Chicago's whiteouts as a whole, but specifically <laughs> he was jawing a lot at Allen Robinson because uh, people might not remember, but they were teammates in Jacksonville at one point. So yep. he actually held Robinson to just four catches and 15 yards on six targets. So that was also with Mitchell Trubisky playing quarterback. Um, that's that's a whole nother story in itself that Trubisky's no longer the starter, but I never was a Trubisky guy to begin with. But anyway, that's going to be, I think, the number one matchup to watch is how Jalen Ramsey handles Allen Robinson and whether the defense even decides to put Jalen Ramsey on Allen Robinson because I we've seen Ramsey's kind of been getting moved a little bit around. He's played a little bit of like the slot corner. Sometimes he matches up against the number one wide receiver. He's kind of been moving around. So uh, interesting to see how the team even goes about, you know, putting Ramsey out there. Um, some other matchups that I think are going to be key to watch is how Robert Woods stacks up against Kyle Fuller. Um, Robert Woods hasn't been used a whole lot recently, but I would make the argument he's still our best wide receiver. Uh, yeah. And Kyle, Kyle Fuller is one of the best cornerbacks uh, in the league, and he's obviously the Bears' best cornerback. So uh, I feel like that matchup is going to be very important as well. Uh, your Aaron, your thoughts on Robert Woods? I'm just curious because, like I said, my opinion is Robert Woods is our best wide receiver all around do you think Robert Woods is our best wide receiver or do you think that they should be maybe favoring Cooper Cup more or um Tyler Higby yeah I would say that Robert Woods is probably the best receiver on the Rams uh his speed his elusiveness um his route runnings is solid uh he's always a deep threat Cooper Cup um is obviously fantastic I don't think his speed is quite like uh, Robert Woods and his elusiveness. He's able to break tackles and gain yards after that. But um, I, I would definitely say yeah, Robert Woods is probably the biggest threat from the wide receiver uh, aspect. So, but I'm kind of hoping that leaves, I'm kind of hoping that leaves Cooper cup more available. And I'm hoping that uh, golf is able to connect a lot more with cup this this go around. I mean, I do have Cooper Cup on multiple fantasy football leagues, so that could definitely oh, yeah, help yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, but I, I definitely agree with you, though. Yeah, Robert Woods is probably the number one receiver on the Rams. Yeah, uh, just some numbers to back up that Kyle Fuller talk. Uh, he's only allowed 18 catches on the season for 195 yards and one touchdown, and quarterbacks have a passer rating of 59.2 when targeting him. So Kyle Fuller is legit. Uh, that's going to be a, a real key matchup to keep an eye on. Uh, some other matchups I think are going to be worth taking a look at. Rob Havenstein against Khalil Mack, obvious, for obvious <laughs> reasons. Uh, and Daryl Henderson against Rokon Smith. It'll be interesting to see if Daryl Henderson can keep the train rolling. Uh, or do we see Malcolm Brown get the bulk of the carries this week? Or are we going to actually see Cam Akers participating? Who knows? But uh, that'll be another interesting matchup to keep an eye on. Um for those of you that care about these things, the uniform combo this week was announced and uh, the Rams are going to be wearing their Royal jerseys with the uh, yellow pants or sole, whatever you want to call them. So there's that uh, injury report, really nothing new or lingering going on for the Rams. Um, the, the big news that came out uh, recently was Ashawn Robinson is going to be, uh, or has been, 
uh, designated to come back off the uh, injury list. So he's going to begin practicing this week. The, the, the downside is he, some people think that he can play relatively soon, but unfortunately that's not the case because still with the rules, the way they're constructed, uh, Ashawn Robinson still can't play until week 10 which is against the Seahawks, which is good that he's going to be coming back against a divisional opponent because we're going to need all the help we can get. Uh, and also Jordan Fuller is going to be eligible to come back that week as well. So that's good. Yeah, that'll be nice to have him back. Yeah, that's like a, a huge, huge addition to have him and Jordan Fuller back. You would think with Ashawn Robinson back, the you know huge holes that we've been seeing sometimes in the middle of the D-line is going to close up. Um so good news that he's back, but again, he's still not going to be able to play until at least week 10. That's the earliest we're going to see him. So good that he's back, but don't expect an early return still. Yeah. Uh, betting lines for this one uh, against the Bears. Rams are coming in as six-point favorites. Uh, that's going to get you minus 110 odds. Uh, over under is set at 45. Again, minus 110. And the money line is on the Rams at minus 286. So Rams are the favorites. I think it's fair to say that the Rams should win this game. I think they will win this game. And if I were going to put money on this game, I would feel pretty confident in the Rams covering those six points. Uh, Aaron, as far as a prediction goes, how do you think this one's going to go? Ooh, uh, I want to say 24-17 Rams. Okay. All right. Uh, I think that's fair. Uh, so that's all we got for you guys this week. Uh, sorry for the little technical snafu that we had, but as always, we thank you for listening. Um, continue to reach out to us if you can on Twitter. We love, we would love to interact with you guys. That'd be awesome. Uh, next week we'll hit you with the recap and, uh, we are going to talk some Tua because we've got the dolphins coming up. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that should be a fun one. So uh, take care, guys. Thanks for listening.